0: The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcralaleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Well, let's take our Bible, Matthew chapter number 21. This is Palm Sunday. This is the beginning of the Passion Week, and so I want to read this classic lectionary text to you. Palm Sunday, 21, verse number 1 through 11. If you're just visiting with us today, not familiar with the Bible, there's one in the pew back in front of you. Let that fall to the middle and keep turning to the right till you get to the New Testament. Matthew 21, verse 1 through 11 reads this way. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately, you will find a donkey there, and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to Me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately He will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Uh, says to the daughters of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and laid their coats on them, and He sat on the coat. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road, and the crowds going ahead of Him. And those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when He had entered Jerusalem, all of the city was stirred or shaken, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus who comes from Nazareth in Galilee. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Our Father, now we thank You so much for a beautiful Lord's Day, and this Palm Sunday, the opportunity to come and have Bible study together and then to gather in corporate worship and sing and pray, greet each other and give. And now, Lord, we are opening Your inerrant and infallible and inspired Word. And when we read the words of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, we are reading the very voice of God. And so I pray now that You would cause Your Spirit to use the Word of God to collide in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls that we might be changed by the Gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that You would help me now to concentrate and to think through clearly what You have spoken in my heart through Your Word. We join today in this moment as well to pray for our brothers and sisters in Egypt, Lord, who are suffering and many who have died, and the pain and suffering that is there, both for believers and for unbelievers alike, Lord. We pray that King Jesus would bring healing and grace and mercy to all regions of the world through the salvation of Christ Jesus. We love You and thank You for all that You have done, for it is in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. I would say this morning that the people in this room and people around the world, we too are like the people in this passage, that we have a tendency to uh, grab the branches, the palm branches, and to pay homage and to sing Hosanna to the King of all kings, that is Jesus Christ, as long as Jesus is working for us. When we believe that Jesus is on our side and that Jesus does what we want and as if somehow He is a a genie in a bottle and if we rub it just right, He comes out and grants us three wishes. We are willing to pay homage to Him, to sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. We are willing to worship Him. But when Jesus turns out to be somebody a little bit different than we might think and not necessarily grant all that we want but have His own agenda in time, then we have a tendency, like people, to run from Him. To find ourselves moving not only away from Him, but dare I say, worshiping and honoring somebody else or ourselves. In the few moments that we have today from this text, here's what I want you to take away. The Christ of Scripture may not be the Christ you want, but He is the Christ that you need. Let me say that to you again. The Christ of Scripture, the Lord Jesus Christ that is revealed to us in this beautiful passage of Matthew chapter 21, this Christ of Scripture may not be the Christ that you want. But He is the Christ that you so desperately need in your life. Everybody wants a little religion. Everybody wants a little bit of Jesus as long as by that what you mean is He is your good luck charm. But when we realize that the Christ of Scripture did not come for these people to drive out the Roman Empire and set up a kingdom in the way that these Jewish people wanted, He came to rule and reign not in the world scene, but in our hearts. He may not be the Christ that you want but He is the Christ that you need When we find ourselves here in Matthew 21, we see that Jesus is entering Jerusalem, which is where the great redemption story will take place. In fact, all of Matthew hinges on chapter 21, and now Jesus turns Himself, and this is the beginning of the end. It is called the triumphal entry, but it is in some aspects not really what it seems to be, for this is not the Jesus that they wanted. They were laying down the palm branches and they were singing Hosanna, which is, save now. You see, they wanted the Messiah from the Old Testament to establish a rule and reign on earth and to drive out that Roman Empire and to get away from the oppression. They wanted to rule. They wanted to be on top. They wanted to be the nation that was in control. When the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world, He did not come for that purpose yet. He came for the purpose of establishing His rule in our hearts. And it is easy for Jesus to drive out the Roman Empire, but it will require you to humble your heart and bow before Him for Him to walk into the heart of your life and set up His rule and reign. I want you just to notice three things from the text today about the Lord Jesus. First of all, this text speaks to us of Christ's courage. Christ's courage. Jesus knew full well when He was entering in to this hostile city. However enthusiastic these crowds might have been, the authorities hated Jesus. And they had already sworn to eliminate. So with all of the pomp and all of the circumstance and all of the confetti and everything that was going around at this moment, laying down all the palm branches, Jesus still knew that He was walking right into the teeth of the enemy. He knew that He was walking into a city that hated Him, they denied Him, they did not believe He was the promised Messiah from the Old Testament, and they were going to take His life. But can I tell you this? Jesus still went forward. Amen? Aren't you glad today that when we are weak, when we falter, when we are cowards, Jesus Christ is the strong one. Listen to these verses. Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 3. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Listen to Isaiah chapter 50 and verse number 7. For the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced, therefore I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I will not be ashamed. Listen to Luke chapter number 9 and verse number 51. When the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. This text teaches us of the courage of Jesus Christ. Now I need to do a little corrective teaching for you. It makes for good preaching, but you might have heard this at some point. The same people that were crying Hosanna on Sunday were the same people that were singing crucify Him on Thursday. That's not true. These are two separate groups of people. These people on Thursday and Friday that would cry out, Barabbas, spare, crucify this one. We'll not have this one to rule over us. That group of people were crying that out because they didn't want Him to be deity. They didn't want Him to be God. They didn't want Him to be the promised Messiah from the Old Testament. But the people on this day that are crying out with joy and worship and honor, they're doing so because they misunderstand why Jesus was coming in the first place and can I say something to you today with the lights flickering a little bit (laughs) maybe that's we're doing that for effect it's the power of God you see You see, it's easy there for us to stand and talk about those on Thursday and Friday that were denying the cross and denying the deity of Christ. But I would say to you this, sometimes it's not that we outwardly deny Him directly, but indirectly when Jesus does not meet our own expectations. We'll worship you as long as you do what we want. We'll worship you as long as you're the God and the King and the Messiah that we want. But I want to tell you this, Jesus has the courage to move beyond all of our unbiblical expectations and all of our idols and really meet the genuine need of our heart. The genuine need of the heart of the people in the text was not for Jesus to rule and reign in Jerusalem, but He was to take away the sin of our life and give us a new heart We have a stone heart and He would give us a heart made of flesh. We were on our way to hell and He would make us on our way to heaven. We were children of darkness and Jesus turns us into children of light. What we need is not what we think that we need. What we need is to bow before the Lord Jesus Christ and realize that He had the courage within Himself being both deity and humanity in one person unmixed to look behind and beyond all of the idols of our hearts and say what you really need is not a beautiful city set on a hill and me ruling. What you really need is for me to go the hard way to the cross and to take all of your sin and all of your lies and all of your arrogance and all of your unkindness and all of the wickedness and sinfulness that marks every human being in this room, including yours truly. All of those things and those skeletons in your life that you're hiding away, Jesus looked beyond your expectation of them. And He had enough courage to walk all the way to the cross and die for your sin. And you ought to be thankful today that Jesus was not allured away by what you wanted Him to be, but that He cared enough for you to die for you. Amen? Let me make a second point. This text not only teaches us of Christ's courage, it teaches us of Christ's claim. Certainly it shows us the claim to be the Messiah, God's anointed one. It's very probable it shows us his claim to cleanse the temple later on in Matthew number 20, 21 where he cleanses out the temple here. With Jesus, it is all or nothing. You see, the people in this text, what did it say in verse number 11? And the crowds were saying to answer the question of verse number 10, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee brothers and sisters, yes, Jesus was a prophet. Yes, Jesus was a good man. Yes, Jesus did good to people. Yes, Jesus was a healer. But I would say to you, according to Scripture, He was far more than a prophet. He was the promised Messiah King of the Old Testament who would come and live and die and be resurrected again for your sin and for my sin, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. They only assumed He was a prophet And Jesus came to be our king. That is a direct fulfillment from Zechariah chapter number nine and verse number nine. In fact, you'll notice in Matthew 21 verse number five, you see how that is set off there, probably in all caps or in poetic language. That's a direct quotation from Zechariah nine, nine. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold your king. Not mere prophet not mere good man, not somebody that lived a couple of thousand years ago who people followed. Your King is coming to you. And He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt and the foal of His donkey. They would recognize Him as a prophet, but He was more than that. I would say to us in premature application, if you believe who He is, do you do what He says? I just maybe put that out here on Palm Sunday. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and that the only way any human being in all the world ever steps out of this life and into an eternity in the presence of God is by direct faith in that Messiah, Jesus Christ. Yesterday afternoon was a pretty afternoon. A little bit breezy. And uh, I uh, did a graveside up at Raleigh Memorial. Uh, Not for one of our people here, but a family uh, of a person that doesn't have a church or a pastor here in the city... And, uh, lots of people for a graveside service. In fact, one of our members actually was there, came up and gave, us, gave me a hug, and I was speaking to this group of people. And in that group of people, there were all various types of beliefs and religions and backgrounds. And I, I just want to say to you, That sometimes it is difficult, sometimes it uh, feels awkward, sometimes I feel like I'm standing alone, and maybe you feel this way at your work, or with your family, or at Christmas time, or maybe at Easter when all of your friends and family come around, but I want you to understand on the authority, not of Steve Tillis, but of God's holy word, there are not many ways to heaven. All religions are not equal. Every religion is exclusive. Religion by nature is. And Jesus and Allah are not the same. John 14. I was telling that group of people, trying to encourage them, probably a little less dynamic than I am this morning. I get a little excited about the Word. I was telling some people who were grieving that Jesus talked to His band of brothers there in John 14. And He had said in John 13, I'm going to go to the cross and die for your sins. And they're all, I mean, they're slobbering and crying. And What are you talking about? In John 14, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again, that where I am there you may be also. And Thomas, Thomas is so much like all of us in this room, isn't he? Thomas says what all of us think. Hey, uh, Jesus, I don't have any idea where you're going, and I'm pretty sure I don't know how to get there, even if I had a GPS. Right? And some of the greatest words, maybe the greatest words in all of the Scripture, John 14:6. This is what Jesus Christ said: "I am the way, and the truth, and the life." And no one comes to the Father but by me. The claim that Jesus makes goes against the grain of our friends and the television and our culture and our society, not only here in America but around the world. But if you call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ, you have no other choice than to hold to the truth claims of Scripture. That Jesus Christ is the only way. If you're here today and you say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm backing away from that. I don't hold to that. I'm a little critical. I'm here because somebody invited me. Hey, we're not against you at all. We're not upset at you. But we, I want, this preacher wants you to leave here today, at least having a clear, exp- a clear explanation of what the Bible teaches. What the Bible teaches is that every single human being that is born into this world sins. And you say that's a Christian word. What we mean by that is that you offend God with your life. God is holy. God is righteous. God is completely good and every time in our life that we lie, cheat, steal, or break any of the commandments that you can possibly think of, it is offensive to the holiness of God. And we believe, according to the Scripture, that you can never save yourself. You can never do enough good to get your way to heaven. You can't help enough elderly people across the street. You can't buy somebody enough groceries. You can't give to enough good organizations. None of that will do anything because all the that does is help you outwardly. What the Bible teaches is that inside and that beating thing that's inside of you, the real person inside is desperately lost and hopelessly without anything in the world. And the only hope you have is to throw yourself on the mercy of Jesus Christ who came into the world to die for your sin to be raised again on the third day so that you could have eternal life. That's the Messiah. That's the one they were singing about on Sunday. And He would walk through every day of the Passion Week. And on Friday, He would be crucified. And on Sunday, He would be raised again from the grave. Let me make one last point for you today. This text teaches about Christ's courage, about Christ's claim, and about Christ's call. Equally, this text shows us His appeal what is it that He is saying? It was not the kingship of the throne which He claimed. It was the kingship of the heart in which He was looking for. He came humbly and riding upon a donkey. Uh, let me teach here for a moment. So I helped you a minute ago. The people on Sunday are not the same people as the people on Friday. All right, So don't make that mistake. Here's another mistake people make. Now, Jesus came riding on a donkey. And what that means is that He came humble. Ah, possibly. But in Western society and culture, they would have thought of the donkey as being a humble beast. But in the Eastern culture, many times kings rode on donkeys as well, too. So that although you might have a point there that Jesus that, that shows Jesus humility, the greater point here is not humility or pride. The greater contrast in this text is that between peace and war. When a king came riding into town upon a horse, it was the mount of war. And when he came riding into the town on the donkey, it was the mount of peace. And if you were to take your Bible and go all the way over to the book of Revelation, you'll find that when Jesus comes again, He will be riding on a white horse with His vesture dipped in blood. And when Jesus comes the second time, there will be no quarter for those who deny Him. He will bring judgment and justice to all the world. And those who have not believed on Him will be parted into eternal damnation. And those who have believed on Him will rule and reign forever when Jesus rides on that horse. So what was going on with Jesus riding peace. In this lifetime, Jesus offers you peace between your sinful condition and the holiness of God. Isn't that what Romans chapter number five teaches? Having made peace, the blood of His cross. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. We have peace with God because of what Jesus did the first time. And when they laid down the palm branches and Christ came riding in on the donkey, what He was saying in the face of those who didn't want Him is, I love you and I bring peace And if you'll lay down your weapons of war and your pride and your arrogance and you'll throw yourself on Me, I will save you. But be careful that you receive Him as the peaceful Savior now. And you don't rue the day that you see Him on the white horse coming in judgment. Jesus came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. John 3.17 Jesus came to offer pardon and peace and grace and mercy. But I tell you today, member and visitor alike, saved and lost, there is peace at the cross for your sin. What do we go away with from here today? Let me leave you just three applications. First of all, you need to know God better from this text. Christ knows all things and He is in control even in the face of His own death and He is in control in whatever you are facing. Isn't that what Jesus tells these people? I want you to go in a village here. There will be this donkey. I want you to release it and bring it to me. And it happens just like Jesus says. He has all sovereign knowledge in all the world. He has all of that knowledge and He is still calm and courageous in the face of His own death on Calvary. And if He could do all of that, He'll provide for you as well. Secondly, Not only do you need to know God better, you need to love God more. We should love Christ more because He did not take the easy way to the crown, but went through the awfulness of the cross to pay for our sins. Can I just ask our membership a question? Those of you that claim to be believers. In the last seven days, how many times did you just... Stop what you are doing in your busy life and say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving a sinner like me. I've spoken to people the way that I shouldn't. I've said things that I wish I could take back. I've been places and done things that I don't want anybody else in the world to know about. And I thank you that you died for me. Help me to extend forgiveness and grace and love like Jesus did. I would say the best place you can be in your life is in that frame of mind. Learn to love God through the mercy and sacrifice of Jesus. Lastly, we need to know God, we need to love God, and we need to live for God. We are to receive Him and praise Him. As more than a prophet, we are to live in direct obedience to His every command. You see, if all Jesus is is a good prophet, you're not bound by His life. Jesus is a good prophet and Jesus was a good man, but He is the promised Messiah, God-man. And when Jesus speaks, it creates a demand upon your life. I'm asking you right now, how are you doing with obedience to Jesus? There's a couple of groups of people in here I got some folks in here. Now you're trying as hard as you can. And every time I preach a sermon like this, you think, man, I'm not doing good enough. I want to encourage you that Jesus paid it all for you. He knows you're human and He forgives you. Just get right. Keep on going and enjoy the grace and mercy of Jesus. There are some others in this room today and you're thinking, well, I'm just not sure where I'm messing up. I, I can't, I'm not, you know, I'm doing pretty good. And if that's where you are, if you can't right now think of one, two, three, major sins that just keep attacking your soul, I would say you don't really have a healthy view of yourself. Because I promise you, if you'll just pry open and look beneath the surface of your life just a little bit and ask the Spirit of God to reveal to you what's going on in your heart, you'll see some deep, dark things in there. And I want to encourage you to go to Christ. Find that forgiveness and grace in Him. And then learn from Him. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. And live for Jesus every day. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me just for a moment? Heads bowed. Eyes are closed we I want to do this morning. Normally, uh, we have uh, some songs, play and we sing a little bit together, but why don't we just look? We're about to enter into the Passion Week. This is the first day of the Passion Week, Palm Sunday. Hey, I just want to give you a moment. Right there where you are, would you just pray? Don't worry about looking around at other people. Why don't you just pray and talk with the Lord? You know there's some areas of your life you need to kind of work on, give over to Him, accept His forgiveness and redemption. and and seek to be obedient to Jesus, this would be a good week to begin to focus on Christ more. I'll just pray right there and acknowledge that to Him and ask Him for help. There's mercy and grace and forgiveness with Jesus. If you are here, and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you too can talk with God from a humble and a broken condition. If you'll ask Him to be the Lord of your life, He will. This is an important week in the calendar of our church here. This will be an opportunity. Some of you have been wayward for a while. Stop riding on that roller coaster. Give your heart and life right now to Jesus. See him coming into Jerusalem, riding on the donkey, offering peace. He's more than a prophet, he's the master of your life. He may not be the Lord that you expect, but he's the Lord you need. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we love you. Thank You for Your mercy and kindness. Thank You for the Word. We thank You for Jesus. And in our mind's eye, we see Him coming in to that city. Lord, help us not only to let Him into the city, but to let Christ into our hearts. Not to meet passing wishes, but to rip out the idols of our heart and establish himself as the king of our life. I pray you would let that happen for all of the people that are here today. And we'll love you and thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcralee.com.